the whole church as a whole, no matter where they were, what city they were, the whole church in the world kind of looked to John as the elder who had walked with Jesus, was an, an apostle who had spent time with their Lord. And, uh, and so they looked to John, and, and what John saw in the world of the church happening was that there was all this um, false teaching coming into play. And there, there were these doctrines coming into the church uh, with people that, that tried to discount the, the person and work of Jesus. And they tried to, to say that, uh, that Jesus was spirit, but he wasn't flesh, that he didn't really walk among uh, the, the, his people, that he didn't, couldn't understand what we were going through. And so uh, that people should look to knowledge for salvation, should look to behavior for salvation, to look to this spiritual world and, and try and uh, differentiate between flesh and spirit. And they believed flesh was evil and spirit was good and that two couldn't mix. And that's why they said Jesus couldn't have been human. Because uh, if he were human, he, he would be, have this bad flesh as part of him. And that, that wasn't, uh, in their thinking, wasn't how it worked. And John was like, what? He was furious because he was like, I walked with Jesus. I touched him. I talked to him. He, that dude was flesh and blood and human. And I knew him and he's my friend. And so it offended him on a deep level of truth um, verse lie or, or false teaching, but it also offended him because he saw how it was affecting the church. He saw how he was affecting these people that he loves. And over and over again, John says, beloved, dear little children, I, please listen to me. I, I love you guys. And so that's how he starts many of these sentences. And, and so you can hear his heart for the people. And, and what was happening was he saw that these, these false teachers were coming in and, and yes, they were teaching things uh, that were very contrary to the Bible. And yes, they were taking people uh, away from the truth. But they were also robbing people of their assurance that God loved them. And, and they, were, he was, they were robbing people of uh, the, the call to love others. And he saw that in this first century false uh, doctrine that, that love was missing. And so last chapter 3 where we talked about, he talks all about love. And, and then in chapter 4, he's going to start off once again warning about false doctrine and then go right back into talking about love. And that's important for us to kind of know the context and the flow of that because we see that, that John, in, in, at the end of chapter 2, he, he says, hey, these people, they went out from us, but they weren't from us. They weren't of us. These, these people, he's still talking about, in context, still talking about this false doctrine. And then he talks about love and how we love others and God, how God loves us. And then he goes back to talking about these, these false teachers. So you can tell it's on his mind and, and it really uh, will help us to understand as we look out at the world, as we look at um, the, the teaching that we're letting affect our hearts. Is it true? Is it is it holy? Does it involve love? Does, or does what we try and strive for in our Christianity just look like getting more knowledge? Or does it look like just uh, getting more behavior modification? 
because there's a lot, a lot of behavior modification out there where you can learn willpower and you can learn do this and do this and you can hack your life and you can do that. But it doesn't make you a more loving person. It makes you more focused on yourself. Not that the beginning of the year we're all about right now like, whoa, new year, new me. I want to like get more fit, get, be, be more, uh, eat better, be, have more energy, all of that stuff. Not that that's bad, but it's not where we find our salvation. And it's not where we put our hope and our, our faith. And it's not uh, where we give our time and worship and resources. And that's important to look at. Look at what we're putting our time into, what we're putting our resources into, because it shows where our heart is as well. So I've called this message, Love and Truth Revealed. And in verse 9 of our text this morning, it, John will say, God's love was revealed to us in this way. What way? Let's jump into the text. Verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than he, greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Verse 7. Dear friends or beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loves us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. Man, that is a powerful passage. And that second part about love has so many memorable, quotable scriptures in it, right? We have so many of those scriptures that, that we um, put on tapestry in our bathrooms or put on our walls. But... It, it gives great context to understand what John is dealing with right before that. So let's go through this verse by verse and let's, let's see what, what he's dealing with. We see that he's dealing with false teaching. And he says, do not believe every spirit, but test 
the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what Jesus, what John is saying here is that as we have spiritual experiences or as we gain knowledge or as we encounter different teachings, we aren't just to blindly accept anything that comes across our radar or any spiritual experience for that matter. Because sometimes there are experiences that we have that are not from God. Sometimes we meet people and we hear their teachings and they look really good and they, they sound really good and you're like, man, you walk away and you're like, that, that sounded awesome. That checked all my boxes. It made me feel good. It talked about me. It, it looked at my life and how I can do better. And then all of a sudden, some, a red flag should go off and go, wow, if, if the teaching is all about me, then there's a problem. Because what, what does he go on to say? He goes on to say, this is how you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. So as we look out into the world and we hear spiritual teachings and we hear different people preach messages or, or talk to us about how we can uh, better ourselves or whatever, if they're not focused on Jesus, if you're just focused on yourself and, and what you can do better, then it's not from God. But really interesting point here. Not anyone that just confesses that Jesus is flesh is from God. That's only part of it. Right? John is giving a, a portion of this. And, and did it strike anyone as odd that he said confesses that Jesus came in the flesh is from God? Because wouldn't you rather say, hmm, if, if someone confesses that Jesus is God, then they're from God, right? Isn't that normally how we, how we talk about it? And in our world, there are a lot of um, false teachings that, that confess that Jesus is, uh, was a person, was a good teacher, walked the earth, but they don't confess that Jesus is God. So that's an important part of this as well. This is not a, a teaching on how to 100% tell if something is from the Lord. But what John was dealing with in that day was this Gnosticism that had come into the church. And what they said was that Jesus was spirit. Basically, Jesus was a ghost. Jesus was not flesh and blood. He was only spirit. And so what, when John sits down to write this, he focuses on the fact that in order to fully give the gospel, we need to include Jesus' humanity. And this, this is something that sometimes we don't like to talk about even in, in our day, right? Because we want to focus on uh, Jesus as God, Jesus as Lord, God dwelt among us, right? But John says that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is an important aspect of the gospel message. Our first application point this morning, God became flesh. John 1.14, the word or God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why is it so important that Jesus came in flesh? 
Why is it so important that, that we don't discount that and don't just say, oh, he was all spirit, he was a, a, a ghost, he was not really flesh, but he just he kind of floated among us and wasn't tainted by the world or didn't experience any of the world. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. If Jesus had just come in spirit and, and didn't experience, and if God didn't lower himself and make let him, his son be lowly and born in a manger in humanity with the, with the temptation and the, and the um, limitations that humanity holds, we, we couldn't call out to Jesus and go, I'm, Lord, I'm dealing with this thing. But you don't understand. Right? Wouldn't that be the first thing? It'd be like, you don't really get it because you weren't flesh. You don't understand. But Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews wanted us to know that when we call out to Jesus, he goes, I, I understand what you're going through. I was tempted in every single way, the Bible says. Tempted in every way as we are. But through the power of Jesus, we don't have to give in to that temptation because yet without sin. He was tempted in every single way, yet completely spotless to sin. How amazing is that, that we can call out to, to our Savior and say, Lord, I'm dealing with whatever it is, this temptation, this hurts, I don't understand this, I'm dealing with this brokenness, and Jesus goes, I know how you feel. I was born in, in flesh, and I, I dwelt among you, and I understand what you're going through. So important. And why does that give us assurance? Because we can see that the love that Jesus had for other people and the love that he had for us, it was real. It wasn't some spirit thing that was just um, fake because he wasn't going through what we're going through. It was real, sacrificial love that we can then look at as an example for how we live as well. And so that's why John was so uh, fired up about this, and he wanted so much for them to understand that, that Jesus came in flesh, and that he, he lived with his people and he served and he loved his people in this way so that we would understand and have the assurance to go before God and, and have someone who understands what we're doing. That's really cool how that ties in because um, we were just, as we were worshiping, we were just talking about um, this idea of being a royal priesthood, right? We were just talking about what it, where the Bible calls us uh, a priesthood in the order of Levi. To, to worship and serve the Lord. And, and the high priest was someone who would go into uh, this, this throne room, this, this room that was covered by a veil, and, and this, the presence of God dwelt in that, in the temple. And, and the high priest would go in, in place of the people, and, and he would offer sacrifices before God. And that person was called the high priest. And there was only one at a time. And they would go, the high priest would go and, and offer 
these atoning sacrifices before God. And that was always a picture of Jesus. And now Hebrews said that, that we have a high priest, and that high priest is Jesus. We're a royal priesthood to serve the Lord, but our high priest is Jesus, and we can look to him. So awesome. Now, if you want some more uh, understanding on false teachers, and, and you're like, that didn't really cover it for me, I really want to understand how to spot a false teacher. First uh, Corinthians 15, Paul discusses another example of false teaching and, and another way um, to look at and, and clarify um, if someone is of the Lord. And, and what he says is that when, when a teaching rejects the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus, then that's something to look out. And there's more details in there. So if you are like, man, I really want to know how to spot a false teacher, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is a good place to, to jump into as well this week. Because there are additional concerns. Verse 3, John says, But every spirit that ha does not confess Jesus is from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming even now is already in the world. Now the spirit of Antichrist is one who denies Jesus. And John says previously that these false teachers are actually not the Antichrist that is to come, but they are little Antichrists. This teaching is against Christ and opposes Jesus. And that this understanding and this teaching and this um, way of living is very prevalent in the world today. I don't know if that's uh, a revelation to you or not, but if you look out in the world, there is some very anti-Jesus teaching. Not like anti-Jesus, like they point at Jesus and go, that can't be the way to live, but like, oh, try this. Oh, this is different. Go after knowledge. Go after just bettering yourself. Go after just trying to change your behavior, and then God will love you, or then God will find you acceptable. And what John says is it's all based on Jesus. And this teaching, any teaching that is not based on Jesus is not from God. He goes on to say, you are from God, little children, or beloved. This is the same word where he says little children. It's the same word he uses in 1 John 2, 12, when he, when he offers comfort to the people that he's writing to. He goes on to say, and you have conquered them. This, this anti-Christ attitude or these anti-Christian false teachings. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You haven't conquered or you haven't overcome this false teaching because you're so strong. But because of God being greater than the one who is in the world. And John is coming back to this idea of the world system versus the kingdom of God. And, and what he's saying is the world system might seem like it's really strong. It might seem like it has a really heavy draw. And the temptation might be there to just to go after what the world says is important and, and what the world values. But he's saying don't fall for that kind of false teaching. Don't fall for knowledge or, or behavior modification or, or 
just in general money and, and power and, and um, houses and cars and whatever the world says is important but because God is greater than all of that you follow him and that's his encouragement here as he encourages them to follow God he gives them uh, three little pieces of encouragement he says you are from God now this goes back to what he was speaking about in verse uh, chapters 3 where he says you have assurance because you are of God you're born of God in Christ you are a new creation and you are of God you can have assurance that as you put your life in Christ that you are God's child and he cares about you whether you feel it or not, whether your emotions say it or not, because he says, don't, don't let your heart condemn you. Don't let your heart trick you and say that God doesn't love you because of what you've done. Don't let the enemy accuse you and say that God can't love you because of what you've done or because you have doubts or because you aren't believing or because any of that stuff. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are of God and he loves you and you're his child. Secondly, he adds that you have overcome, that we can be overcomers, that we can overcome um, the temptation, this false teaching, this idea um, that, that we are, can be attacked and pulled away from the flock and out of fellowship. We can overcome that because God is greater than he who is in the world. What, that's an amazing encouragement, an encouragement to us our third, our second application point this morning is that he is greater. I just want to spend a moment talking about this. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Ultimately, that's where we put our confidence, right? We don't put our confidence in that, that we're real strong or that, um, that we go to a, you know, verse-by-verse verse Bible teaching church or that, man, ah, that, um, that worship time was so good, I can go out and conquer the things that I'm dealing with. No, all that stuff is good, all that stuff is awesome, but where we put our faith and our trust is in the fact that God is greater than the world, that God is worthy of our worship, that He living in us, dwelling in us, by the Holy Spirit leads and guides and helps us and, and that Jesus understands what we're going through when we call on his name. That's what it means when he says he is greater than the world. That, that he guides us and, and sustains us and is our everything. And that's how we can have the confidence to look at this false teaching and how John can say, verse 5, they are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. John says, let the world listen to them. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And as you live for Jesus, and as you show the world your love, they might listen to the false teaching for a while, but God is working in their lives as well and will call them to himself. They says, the world listens to them, and then he says, we are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know 
the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. John says, look, I have a heart for these people who are being tricked, but I know that God is in control. And he says that we are from God, and anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. Now, doesn't that seem a bit defensive? seems like John's a little bit, getting a little bit feisty here. And he is, because these false teachers were going around and saying, oh, John, he, he, he's lying to you. He didn't really walk with Jesus. If he, if he had really walked with Jesus, he would tell you that Jesus was only spirit and can't be flesh, because that doesn't make any sense, right? And they, they were going around telling people that the apostles were, were teaching a doctrine that wasn't true. And that hurt John because he loved these people so much and he watched them being tricked. You read the letter uh, uh, to the church at Galatia that Paul writes and you can hear the, the, the pain and the, and the um, intensity in his writing when he says I love you guys so much and you're getting deceived. It hurt him not because it, it was um, his pride that was being hurt, but he was watching people he loved um, going after things that would not give them any fulfillment, that would not give them any assurance, that would not teach them to love, that would not bring them any peace or joy or happiness or uh, self-control or patience or any of the fruits of the Spirit that we've been talking about, Right? And the same should go for us as we look out to the world, as we look out in our community. And if we see our friends and family and, and community members going after things of this world that will not give them peace or joy or love, our heart should break, not that we go, well, they're, they're messing up and uh, you know, they're going to get what's coming to them. God's not going to you know, uh, be happy with that but that our hearts should break and be like, wow, you're being tricked. You're being deceived. That, that as we look at, at what is going on in the world, that we would look out and, and with, with soft, broken hearts, the hearts of God that says, hey, I know that that seems like it's going to give you some pleasure for the moment. I know it's going to, it seems like that house or that car or that, that surfboard or whatever it is that is drawing us away and our attention away from the Lord. I know it seems like it's going to give you happiness and pleasure for a moment, but because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, and because of the Jesus uh, giving his atoning sacrifice for us on the cross, we have access to the King of Kings. And, and we shouldn't be tricked by trivial things in this world because that is the spirit of deception. John goes on, verse 7, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, a lot of times, uh, pastors will actually teach this in, in sections. They'll, um, because, you know, as we teach through verse by verse, we kind of have to break somewhere, right? 
I mean, we could go all day, but you guys probably need to go home and eat something, and you have things to do, right? So we need to break somewhere. And so a lot of pastors will just teach that the first six verses and talk about, um, you know, false teaching. They'll talk about the different uh, false teachings in the world and how we look at them and how we decipher um, what's from the Lord and, and how to serve the Lord. And then they'll teach, you know, seven through, you know, whatever, 12, and then they'll take a break. And you get the picture. But when I was, when I was looking at this and praying about it, I think it's awesome that John goes from talking about false teaching to then it seems like a bit of a a subject switch, right? Where he goes, all of a sudden he goes, hey, these people are from the Lord and and they listen to us when we teach. And then he says, dear friends or beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. This is one of the keys to focusing on on not on false doctrine and not on what the world has to offer, but what God calls us to do. If we are spending our time loving one another and focusing on God because God is love and He is our example of love, our priorities will be straight. Right? And we won't be going after false doctrine because when someone comes up to us and says, hey, Jesus is great, but you just need more knowledge. We'll go, well, God is love and Jesus is God and I need to be loving one. I need to be more loving. I need to spend time with the one who is love. I don't need knowledge about him. I need knowledge of God, personal knowledge. And that knowledge comes through experiencing his love, right? And so if someone comes up and says, hey, you should spend time, um, you know, focusing on just making more money and skip church, right? We go, no, because church and community and the body of Christ is where I get to share his love with others. It's where I get to experience the love of God in my life. And so actually understanding that that our call is to love one another and because God is love helps us to stay on track and avoid this false teaching as well. I love how the two go hand in hand. This, in the ancient Greek, the, uh, the first part of this sentence is, is put in a, a striking way. In our Bibles or our translations, it says, let us love one another because love is God. In the Greek, though, the, the, it's flipped around. And the translation basically goes like this. Those who are loved, let us love. I really like that because it starts with being loved. It starts with understanding that God loves us. And honestly, as a, as a pastor, it's a lot easier for me to get up here and make you guys feel guilty than it is to feel loved. It's a lot easier for me to get up here and convince you that that God doesn't like what you're doing and, and rail on, man, how, wait, you didn't spend much time in God's word this week and how many times did you have thoughts that were not pleasing to him and, and man, well, you, you need to uh, treat your family better, treat your wife better, treat your, treat your kids better. It's a lot easier for me to get up here and, and do that than it is for me to convince you that God loves you. 
Because for something in us that, that like John was dealing with before, something in us that, that wants to feel like we're doing and spending time with God out of obligation. Or because if we don't, he'll be upset. Or if we don't, then we'll feel some guilt. And that's not the motivation. That's not the motivation for love. Those who are loved, let us love. We start with understanding that, that God loves us. And, he, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and that he would send his own son, that he loves us so much while we were dead in our trespasses. And when we start with that, then we don't spend time with him out of obligation. We don't love others out of obligation, but we love others and spend time with our Heavenly Father like it's a joy. Like, man, I can't wait to get up in the morning and spend time with the one who gave his son to have a relationship with. Man, I can't wait to get up and spend time with the one who is love and pray and talk to the one who is, showed his love to me while I was still opposing him. That's a different way of thinking, and that's what the Bible teaches us. It doesn't teach us that we're supposed to um, do these things out of obligation or guilt or, or man, oh, I should really be better, a better person. Or I should really be more patient with our kid, my kids. You can't do that because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And, and the Spirit who lives in us wants to, to grow and mature and, and bring that love to completion in our lives. But it takes spending time with Him. It takes uh, putting in um, the, the relational time to, to grow our community, our fellowship with God. But not out of obligation, but we do it because God is love. It says, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now that word knows, this is just another, uh, I love John so much. This is another subtle jab at the, uh, the false teaching that he's trying to come against. He uses the word gnosko here. He says, but what he's talking about is he's talking about an experience, a knowing by experience. And the, the false teaching was called Gnosticism, right? Knowledge, same root word, but they're talking about knowledge, like head knowledge. And John goes, you want to know God? You're born of God and you know God, like you experience him. Not like the Gnostics say where they just know it in their head, but it's, it's something that you live and breathe. And so I, it's very purposeful that John uses that word, and I, I just I love that. It's so punk rock. Verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Once again, he uses that word, gnosko. The one who does not know God, does not experience God, doesn't have a personal relationship with God, doesn't know love. We all want to know what love is. We want to experience love, right? John's going to go on to explain what that love looks like. Verse 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. What does God's love look like? What does the love we're supposed to show each other look like? 
God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Our example of love that we're supposed to give to one another is God sending his one and only son, our only begotten son, as it says in some translations, into the world that we might live. Wow. That is a high standard to put on our love. But that's the love that we can share with one another through Christ Jesus. As we walk with the Lord, we have the ability. He shows us how to love sacrificially. That's why he says, the world doesn't know love. He knows a version of love. We, we use so many different words uh, for love, right? We say, oh man, I love surfing and I love McDonald's. I don't really love McDonald's. I love whatever, uh, some food. And I love my wife and I love my kids and I love God, right? All the same word. Very, hopefully very different meanings. This word that they, John uses in Greek is agape. It's unconditional, perfect love, sacrificial love, love that costs something. So he says, this is God's love revealed among us, that God sent his only son that we might live through him. Our third application point is that Love gives life. It's sacrificial, but do you see? What, what was the goal for God sending his son? That we might live through him. A lot of us think uh, that God takes uh, us, and when we give our life to Jesus, he just makes us better people. Right? I was bad, now I'm good. Right? And we'll say that. We'll talk about that. Or um, maybe God takes us and we were like, we were sort of good and he just makes us better. Right? That's probably more accurately how we think of ourselves. Like, oh yeah, I was sort of good. I was pretty good. And then, you know, with Jesus, I'm like, I'm, I'm really good. I'm, I'm holy now. I'm perfect. You know, I'm, I'm good. Right? The Bible teaches that Jesus t- took us from death to life. We were, we were dead in our trespasses. And, and what God gives us is life, eternal life, eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's a different way to look at it because then we don't look at our old life and go, I was pretty good. You know, I mean, there's people out in the world, they're, they're pretty good. They do some good things. They kind of love some people. No. When we look around, we, we, our heart breaks because there's death in the world. And, and Jesus came to give us life, the kind of love where he laid down his life for ours that we might live through him. So love gives life. And God loves you so much. Verse 10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Once again, John is going, hey, this isn't about what you're doing. This is about what God did for you. He loved us and sent his son as a propitiation, some translations use, or some translations use the words atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now this goes back to the talking about a high priest that we have in Jesus and, and the priestly order of the Levites, right? Because this word propitiation 
would be used under Mosaic law, the Jews would offer these ongoing sacrifices every year for, for atoning sacrifices for the sins of the whole nation for the year. And it could only be done by the high priest. This is so cool. And then when Jesus came, he became that high priest and his sacrifice was once and for all, perfect sacrifice once and for all. All these other sacrifices pointed to the sacrifice that Jesus would make. And now John is saying, this is how we know the love of God, that he sent his son to be that atoning sacrifice for us. And as you read through the Old Testament and all of the, the rules and all the regulations and, and all of this stuff, that God called his people to do, to, to offer sacrifices and to atone uh, for their sins, that he would look at that and, and see his promise of his son Jesus. All of that is all wrapped up in this new covenant that Jesus gives that says, it's based on my love for you. It's based on my sacrifice, my sacrificial love for you. This atoning sacrifice. So amazing. Verse 11, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Now that puts a little more heat on the, on the passage where he said, let us love one another because God is love, right? Because now he's explained what love looks like. It looks like Jesus' atoning sacrifice for our sins. It looks like him laying down his life for us. And now he says, because of that love, in this way, if God loved us in this way, we must also love others. And as he closes this little section, he says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God remains in us or abides in us or, or dwells with us or is in community with us. And his love is made complete in us. Some translations for that word complete, they use the word perfected. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea of uh, what does that mean to have our, our love perfected? But, but the, in the Greek, the, the word uh, is teleo. And, and it, what it really, better translation here is complete or even matured. And so if we read it that way, it says God's, God remains in us. If we love one another, God abides in us and has fellowship with us, and his love matures in us. God is growing us into a mature people of love. That, that is where, as we spend time with him, as we walk out of our, our time in the word, our time in prayer, our time in worship, we're called to worship. We're called to be a, a, a royal priesthood that gives worship. And, and how we are affected by that is we walk out mature in love, more mature in love, more sacrificial in love. We, we are able to offer each other more love as we spend more time with God. And that's what we're called to do. So beautiful. In closing, I, I just want to spend a minute reflecting on this idea of, of worship and this idea of, of what God has done for us. Because in this passage, John is talking about love, 
But man, he sure gives a, a great example of and description of what that love really is. Right? And as I was standing there, and uh, Heidi was leading that last song, and um, and Heidi, if you want to come up, we're going to sing. Um, we're going to sing the verse and chorus of that last song that we sang earlier. But as I was standing there, and as I was thinking about the word hallelujah, that, that we're lifting up the name of the Lord, we're glorifying the name of the Lord, that why, why? What would be, what would be the motivation? He created us, he called us, there's so much that he did. But these verses just kept ringing in my ear that he would say, God's love was revealed to among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, that we might have life. And love consists in this, not that we love God, that it's not based on us, it's not based on anything we do or bring to the table, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be that propitiation or atoning sacrifice for our sins. That sacrifice that the whole Old Testament points to, that that when we think of ourselves as a royal priesthood, as the Bible calls us, that we will be serving the Lord because of that atoning sacrifice, because He forgives our sins because he wants us to have life and relationship and abiding in his love forever and ever. Let's all stand. Let's sing this song one more time and and just really thank God for what he's done in your life. Thank God for who he is and, and glorify him. Serve him with your worship. Thanks for listening to the Verse Church podcast. We're stoked that you joined us. We would like to invite you to join us live Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.
For more information or to give to this ministry, visit www.verse.church.